My guest tonight is Clay Colton. He is here in San Diego. He leads his own band, the Clay Colton Band. They play an, kind of an eclectic blend of classic rock, alternative rock, Americana, Southern rock. Um, you, you describe it, your sound as um, kind of at the heart of American culture. It's just uh, rock with any adjective before it. <laughs> it counts. Exactly. Very yeah. much depends on the mood. Yeah. And for a long, oh, yeah. long time, you guys have been performing up to five nights per week. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not uh, right this minute, but. <laughs> two, uh, yeah, still getting close though right now. Yeah. yeah. 286 gigs last year. And uh, it's been uh, steady online shows this summer. So. Wow. That's incredible. Well, thank you for coming on with me tonight. So tell me, tell me what you've been up to during quarantine to start with. Well, uh, <clears throat> amongst all those adjectives of music we play, Irish music was a big one. And uh, this whole thing started on March 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day. So uh, yeah, our, our first real day of, of full cancellations was supposed to be our biggest day of the year. Oh, my and God. <laughs> so we, uh, we didn't have that. And so the whole week was just kind of a big void of what March is supposed to be for us Irish musician guys. Yeah. So uh, when it came to Friday that week, I believe uh, St. Patrick's Day was supposed to be a Tuesday. So it came to Friday. It's like, you know what? I just, I got to play. I got to do something. So I, uh, so I, so I tried this Facebook live thing. I went online. I called it a uh, Colton's pub. Yeah. to make it like an Irish night and uh, just started playing and uh, ended up playing for, I don't know, like a few hours, three hours at night and decided that that was just about as fun as playing any other gig. So I bought a couple little pieces of equipment, started doing it. I, the very next week I started playing three, three shows a week regularly. Wow. And uh, it's been really fun. I tell you, sometimes it's so much more fun than playing a, uh, a live gig. I mean, nobody's interrupting me when I'm playing. It's nice right. and quiet. I can hit all the little moments I want. And, uh, and I, I get a lot more fans than can fit in a small Irish pub usually. So yeah. <laughs> well. and you don't have to drive anywhere or really even wear pants oh. if you don't want to. The absolute best part is that, yeah, no shoes, <laughs> pants are optional. And, uh, yeah, you don't have to worry about driving home. It's just, it's so nice. One time I, and there's no cutoff time. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, there was one night I played eight hours and 18 minutes because, Nobody told me I had to go home. Yeah. And so uh, eventually, three eighteen in the morning, like I guess I should probably shut it off. And so I say good night and <laughs> just, you know, walked uh, twenty feet down the hall and went to sleep. It's nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. What do you think? Um, so you're obviously getting a really good response on your live streams, and I mean that's not always the case for everybody. And I wonder, have you taken any kind of a different approach to marketing it or putting it out there or? How do you, why do you think that's working well, so well for you? It has been interesting because a lot of people have been asking me this. And uh, and I, I guess it's always who you study and, and you know, what, what you look at. So the guy that I watch has uh, usually 30,000 hits per, per session. Wow. And uh, he's regularly got 500 people in the room. And uh, so compared to him, I suck. And... <laughs> So when you see that stuff, it's like, I, I got a long way to go. And I, 
I try to make it as, as good as I can and attract as many people as I can. Um, and, uh, but then, you know, there, there are other artists out there who only regularly have 10 to 15 people in the room and end up with two to 400 views at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I, I, what I, what I learned from all of it is that make it a show, you know, don't yeah. just put your camera on and play some songs, connect with the people who are watching, make them feel like they're in the room with other people, introduce them to other people who are hanging out, uh, just like you would in a, in a pub setting, you know, have a conversation. Mm-hmm. They all have their conversations going on the stream while I'm playing. And, uh, just, I, I really try to make it, uh, an environment for everybody to hang out in, not just something to watch or listen to. That's awesome. How cool. So yeah, it's te- worked out pretty- yeah technology wise, um, how far have you gotten with that? I, I see such varying degrees of live <laughs> streaming and the quality of it. Uh, where are yeah. you at with that? Uh, well, it's funny because at the beginning, everybody said, Oh, your quality is, is great. I'm like, really? Because I was doing it on a, here's, Here's my uh, technology. See how small okay, this phone okay. is? This is like the original iPhone. And that's what I was recording on originally with uh, just the sound from the phone. Oh. Uh, so it's nothing interesting, but uh, I just made sure to set up a nice lighting background. I mm-hmm. uh, put the sound going through a speaker, did all that. And uh, you know, just made sure it, it sounded great to me and that would translate to everybody else. Uh, but then eventually I bought a iRig to uh, put the sound directly into and uh, uh, upgraded my camera a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> not much, but, uh, and, and then just, just, but really I'm focusing more on quality sound coming through and, and you know, focusing on the people who are watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much further I can go in technology, which I discovered last week when we played at the Belly Up and had, you know, six different cameras on us in the extreme, you know, uh, awesome mixing by Martin down there. And then watching that, I'm like, wow, my videos suck. So <laughs> it was, uh, it's really cool to see that. But, uh, I think what people really want is just to feel like they're part of the part yeah. of the show. So you don't need a whole lot of technology for that. Yep. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I, I've kept it pretty simple. Yeah. I think that's great. And I really think that that's, uh, that's a good message for everybody putting on shows like that, because really, even in our live shows, that really is kind of the key is connecting with people. And, you know, when people feel like they're a part of the experience, and they feel like they're being seen during your show, that's what's thrilling for them. That's what, you know, keeps them engaged and happy and, you know, wanting oh. to come back for that feeling. And if you can, if you can get that across in a live stream, you know, you're definitely doing something right. Oh, definitely. I mean, even when I watch, uh, you know, some live shows from other guys around town, we sit sitting there watching Lee Coulter and he'll say my name. I'm like, he said my name. Yes. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm in on this. And I'm like, I'm such a dork. But that's what everybody wants. You know, they want yeah. to feel like they're part of it. So they really do. Yeah, yeah that makes it big. Um, so what uh, what were you up to pre-COVID or pre-quarantine? What did you have going on that came to an abrupt halt? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually kind of sad for me so uh <clears throat> well i mean it's sad for every musician but i was I, I was i was on the brink of basically making 22 years of playing music legit and worth it march was gonna be my best month by far and totally legitimized me making a career of being a local musician saying 
I can make attorney money doing this, you know, like it was, it was going to be cool. And it's just, just watching it all disappear. I went to a bar one day at noon. I called my dad. I'm like, yeah, I lost $7,000 today. How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it was just, so, uh, it, it was just watching the whole thing just spiral out and saying, come on, man. Like I was, <laughs> this was my month. And, uh, so, <clears throat> so, yeah, so what I lose, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I had it all just lined up. I, you know, it was, it was all just going so sweet at the time, but, but I had it so much better than so many other people. So, I mean, <clears throat> complain about it because I still had some sort of stream, some sort of outlet, thanks to Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, <laughs> but the irony about the whole situation was this. I've always told people, you know, my whole married life, 20 years is uh, <clears throat> that my wife has a, you know, she has the corporate job with the, the medical benefits and and everything that's, you know, cozy and comfortable, but her whole department can easily get outsourced to India at any second, it, you know, it's not really that stable. I mean, like me, I have 60 jobs. I can tell any boss I want to, you know, yeah. take a hike and I still have 59. It's not a big deal. And it's really you know, comforting to have that many jobs at once. And mm -hmm. so I never thought in one day I would lose all 60 jobs. My wife's company would make the test kits for COVID. <laughs> Oh, man. So there was there was a total <laughs> twist of fate right there. Oh my gosh, it is. It's an unbelievable feeling, and you're you're like so many people that I've talked to so far that said 2020 was going to be my year. This was <laughs> it. I mean, we were like on top of the world, and then the rug gets pulled out right from underneath uh, you, and that's tough. I mean, it's been you know it's been devastating actually. You know, for <clears throat> most of us. But what do you think? Um, what is your, uh, where's your hope meter at? <laughs> Are you feeling like you're going to be able to bounce back, come back or rebuild what you had going on? Do you want? I think <laughs> oh, yes. It, it, I think it's gonna be better at the end of it. I mean, <clears throat> just, you know, I've been pretty proactive during the whole thing and, and just making more fans. And mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I think I could actually go on tour now. You know, I have yeah. friends who listen now in, in New York, Kentucky, Maryland, uh, New Jersey, kind of all over the place. They, you know, every night somebody's been chiming in and saying, "I'm from here," and then I see them on for a month, you know, and mm -hmm. they they just hang out. So, uh, and, and the the fact that I, you know, when I did go back and played some some actual gigs at restaurants, uh, just the amount of support that was there, amount of people who showed up, who I had never met before, all all this, but we became friends through the online shows, and then to see them in person. Like sitting there at every show I was playing for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, you know, this is, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool advantage. I hadn't really thought of that, that in a time like this, if you really are um, working live streaming, you are, you're really broadening your reach so much. Um, do you do originals? I or do. All covers? Yeah. I know. Uh, <clears throat> So we're actually recording an album right now oh, in awesome. COVID and we thought it'd go by a lot faster, but it, it's, it's hard to record in, you know, different rooms, different zip codes yeah. and uh, put it all together. And then, so, but we're actually halfway done. So we're, we're feeling pretty good about it and we're going to get motivated to finish it up in the next you know month or so. Uh, but I have one of my shows every week has been an original show. When I started doing this, I said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to forget about my own songs that I've written 
<clears throat> so I've actually gone back and played just about every song I've written mm-hmm. during the show. So I'm relearning all all my old tunes. Oh, wow. And uh, so Monday nights have always been my the Monday night. So it's a Colton's Pub is the theme of the whole the whole show. And on Monday nights, Colton Pub has uh, their coffee shop night. Oh, cool! I love so that. it's Colton's Coffee Hour Monday nights. <laughs> Very yeah. nice. Yeah. How um. How are you gonna? How are you planning on releasing the album? Are you gonna wait until things are opening up, or are you gonna go for it online? Oh no, not at all. Just just online. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. no no yeah. big event for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing nothing special planned. Okay. That would be nice to have a you know band play the whole thing. Where? Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of recording long distance from each other, have you by chance tried out any of the uh, platforms that are like more the low latency platforms that people like, uh, you know, Soundjack, Jam Kazam, these, have you tried any of those? Oh yeah, I have not. No, yeah. have, have they worked on that to get bands playing live in separate rooms now? They have, yes. Okay, yeah. I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's, you know what, it's not, um, I don't see a lot of it. And I think the reason is, is just the, you know, the te- the technology takes a lot of back and forth testing and adjusting, you know, settings on, um, you know, everybody's end. And, you know, I don't know, maybe not a lot of people have the patience for it, but it is happening. I've actually, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've heard it with my own ears. So it's, wow. it's possible, you know. All right. We're yeah, I should there. check that out because uh, my buddy Tom Cunningham and I were looking at that at the beginning and it was just kind of impossible at the, at the beginning of this we couldn't find anything that would work so mm-hmm. but uh yeah yeah my we'll friend um my friend eden castile who's on the east coast she's done a ton of testing um with a, another piano player and she's posted a bunch of videos on youtube of these tests that they've run and you know it's a it's pretty simple um dashboard that they give you but again you know it takes the testing and yeah getting someone to cooperate with you (laughs) yeah um have you have you dipped into um doing any teaching online or anything like that no i'm a horrible teacher are you (laughs) always have been uh yeah I, i never taught before any of this anyway so um i i never couldn't teach my kids uh, yeah. I had to pay Nate Donis to teach my kids how to play guitar. So, yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm right thing. there with you. My, <laughs> I have these like grand ideas about, you know, taking them into um, the piano room every day and <laughs> schooling them and, you know, bringing them up like that. But they, they want absolutely nothing to do with me at all. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's rough. It's really painful to be a musician and pay other musicians to teach your kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, speaking of the shout outs, what we were talking about earlier, we got Kurt, Mike, and and the Tucks are watching. Oh, good news. My wife is watching. So hi, sweetie. Hey, my husband's watching, too. Nice. All right. Hey, honeys. (laughs) Very cool. Steph. Yeah, Kurt's still watching for my. She must be your wife. (laughs) Yes. Kurt's still watching for my eight hour, 18 minute encore. I'm not sure if that'll ever happen again. That was a special night, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. How cool. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. So um, so tell me about the new album that you're making. What's uh, What are we going to be hearing from that? All right. Um, 
Well, it's a few songs that I'd been writing along in the past few years. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not one of the guy who puts out albums very regularly. I'm a once a decade kind of guy. Okay. So, <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I've had some songs that uh, need to be recorded. For example, a song I wrote about my youngest daughter. Uh, she's 13 now. Mm. So, <laughs> wrote it a while ago. And uh, just a couple others. And then uh, there's some songs that uh, friends of mine have uh, written and uh, some recorded. And uh, I just really like my friend's songs. And so I'm going to record a couple of their songs as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, local guy, Jeff Diamond, who, uh, <clears throat> well, he was local. He lives in North Carolina now. But uh, I'm taking one of his songs and a band I grew up listening to in Kentucky, I've been in touch with the uh, singer of that band for a little bit, so couldn't record one of their songs. And uh, I'm the guy who played the guy singing at my wedding is uh, the song he sang with uh, for my wife and I. It's one that he wrote himself and never recorded, so I'm finally recording that. Nice. <laughs> but so stuff like that. So it's half mine, half others. Yeah. But, uh, Any particular yeah. genre you think it's landing in? You know. <clears throat> Everything kind of ends up being in the country rock sort of vibe. Um, this one's leaning a little bit more acoustic. It's it's more of a, uh, you know, 43-year-old country rocker vibe. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, I like it. It's turning out cool. And uh got my buddy Dustin Kester is uh, doing the drums on it. Ah, oh, Dustin. And, uh, have you played with he's played with yeah. you guys before yeah, yeah he's great he's great yeah yeah so he's also really great at producing and putting ideas together he's not just a drummer he's a musician so wow <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah my buddy skip Matz, he's gonna be doing is doing the bass and uh, uh kevin ryan is playing pedal steel on it i'm sure you play with kevin too have you pedal steel player kevin ryan uh, oh, not. I know. Yeah, I know Kevin is. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then Tom Cunningham is doing some fiddle and mandolin on it. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, Tom's the only one I haven't really seen. Tom and Paul Kugel, I think you know Kugel as well. They mm-hmm. played with you a couple times. Yeah. And uh, those are the only two guys of mine that I haven't seen since it started. They're a little more cautious. Yeah. So. Okay. Cool. I'm uh. I'm curious to know more about your. Um, background and how you were brought up musically because um, I mean I've known you for a while now I mean gosh it's probably going on like 10 11 12 years or something like yeah, that. yeah I think we actually share a, an award title together don't we yeah the big, big country, country showdown, showdown. <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right yeah so I've won. seen you doing country I've seen you doing um I mean, I've seen you doing pop music before. I think I, I saw you playing some Prince one time. And so oh, where's all Prince. that come from? All right. So here's how it goes. I, uh, <clears throat> I was brought up by you know, kind of a hippie mother who always loved listening to uh, Beatles, Cat Stevens and uh, stuff like that in the car. My dad was a big Beach Boys fan mm. and uh Gordon Lightfoot, I remember from my dad's car, and uh, also uh, uh, Kenny Rogers. It's yes. a big deal for my dad. So the first song I ever learned actually was "The Gambler." Yeah, um, we would uh, sing that on the way to preschool, and we, my dad, would make us memorize that in the car. So, <clears throat> but anyway, I end up growing up uh, mostly in Kentucky, 
and did not like country music at all. Okay. We were we were the other side of Kentucky, and all we liked was uh, uh, alternative rock. So it was just all Pearl Jam for us, mm-hmm. Alice in Chains, uh, Metallica, stuff like that. And uh, but yeah, but I, so my number one band of all time was was Pearl Jam, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I uh, gravitated towards that. Never really intended to play music uh, for a living. I was a drummer when I was in bands in high school. Uh, I tried to sing a song with my band. I have a recording of it. It was god awful. They never let me sing a song again. And uh, that was kind of it. I moved out to Oregon for college and that didn't go so hot. I ended up in the Navy and I didn't even own a guitar. Like I was, music was never going to be a part of my life until I found myself flat broke on my 21st birthday. Decided to borrow a guy's guitar, went down to the uh, smoking pit area for the Navy barracks and put out a jar and I'm getting $46 in a little over half an hour. Went out and bought some beer. I'm like, you know what? That pays a crap load more than the Navy does. There's something to this thing. Mm-hmm. So you were playing guitar before that. So, yeah. I, okay. I, well, when I was a drummer in high school, they'd leave their guitars over. And so I'd you know, play yeah. their guitar and sing some songs. And So, uh, yeah, I knew how to do it. But like I said, I didn't own a guitar. I was just done with it. I mm-hmm. thought it was just some fun I did in high school. So... Ended up doing this, uh, yeah, doing that in the Navy, and then it kind of try to do it more often. And so uh, I ended up getting like one or two gigs while I was in the Navy, and then I was uh, getting out, and I had no idea what I was going to do afterwards. So just kind of walked around. I was in Cap Pendleton at the time, so mm-hmm. I just kind of walked around Oceanside, seeing if anybody wanted to hire a guy who knew about you know twenty songs or something. And uh, yeah, Hana Sushi Bar hired me for seven nights a week. Wow. And I was like, all right, there we go. So it's pretty good started start. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that only lasted about a month until they realized they didn't have a license for entertainment. But in the meantime, a bunch of other people had seen me and hired me to play at their bars. And so it just kind of started there. Um, but as far as the, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, then I was just, you know, playing basic, you know, rock the whole time moving into different genres happened i was uh i was hosting karaoke like two nights a week hmm. and my deal was anybody can pick songs for me to sing okay <laughs> so i <laughs> learned a lot of shania twain nice. uh learned a lot of britney spears so you know the joke was always you know what can we stump clay on and uh so started doing that <clears throat> hated that a lot and so moved on to uh, this guy from Irish pub came in and saw me play. He said, hey, why don't you play my Irish pub? They're sick of hearing only Irish music. So come on out there. All right. So I started playing there. And then he's like, you know what? I don't want to play here on Saturday night. So learn some Irish songs and play every Saturday night. All right. mm. So started doing that. So we entered, you know, get to our big country showdown. Yes. I uh, entered the UMC at VA Haas with my Irish band. And uh, we did not win the night, but he said, why don't you guys come back here for the country show? Because like, we don't do country. We don't know any country songs. He's like, you have a fiddle player. I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's 20 minutes. All right, fine. So we came back. We learned 20 minutes worth of country songs yeah. and ended up winning the big country showdown. Nice. So now we're a country band. <laughs> and uh, 
it. So I, you know, and I, I kind of fell in love with this. So we ended up uh, <clears throat> opening for Zach Brown band. Oh, and I'm cool. like, if that's country music, I can do that. That's yeah. cool. And uh, so then I just started getting back to my Kentucky accent started coming back to me a little bit and uh, started enjoying the, you know, the, the, the whole country rock vibe. And I'm like, all right, if we can do Almond Brothers and call it a country music sort of thing, then I'm totally game. So mm-hmm. we uh, <clears throat> so we just started going that route, you know, and, uh, and it really worked out well. And uh, so, yeah, then we just added another adjective to the beginning of our band name and yeah. So it's uh it's kind of moved on. I ended up uh you know playing so many different genres that it just makes it really fun. Every night's different for me. So yeah. that's kind of the kind of the fun about playing music is if it was the same every night, I'd kill myself. Right. But uh since it's, it's, uh, it's such a different genre and different vibe every night, sometimes it confuses people who come out to see me. Mm-hmm. But I really like it. And uh, just a couple of years ago, we also started a, a 50s band, the Jukebox oh, okay. Kings. Mm-hmm. And so we do uh, <clears throat> sock hop style music, and I just freaking love it. It's so fun. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. That's, so I'm, so, I'm so um, surprised to hear the story about leading up to the Big Country Showdown because because I didn't know you before then. But, <sighs> um, but yeah, I mean, you guys obviously put on a pretty legit show and i remember i had been in i guess what maybe the year or two years before i think you i think you wanted the year before us so you weren't in it that year yeah because you couldn't be in it that year yeah and i uh i learned a lot of interesting things about um the country crowd then uh because we weren't um we weren't a band that was playing you know clubs in san diego we weren't part of um you know we weren't really doing like a lot of country dance music and um there's there's a pretty ferocious um country dance audience in san diego and um because we supposedly came out of nowhere it was really it was really upsetting you know to a lot of people because i think the i don't know i guess the circle of um players was a little bit uh tighter so it that said makes it funny that <laughs> you're still yeah. leading up to it so you can imagine how many people we pissed off because yeah. we uh and we ended up winning the show because we played a country version of baby got back oh, so <laughs> that is beautiful yeah <laughs> Yeah, we did uh, Johnny Cash's story of Baby Got Back dedicated to his wife, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. That's incredible. Yeah. So have Made you... Made for an interesting story, but... Yeah. What? Have you played the... Um... What's the lakeside bar? Yeah, no. He called me so many times after that. I'm like, I really don't think we can do that, man. Like, we had 20 minutes for the country music. We had a lot, <laughs> lot of fun doing it. Um, all the songs you want to hear there is... He kept saying, yeah, we're the last honky-tonk bar that's left in San Diego, right? Yeah. And, uh, God, what was it called? can't remember. But, yeah, he, he called me a few times. And I'm like, you're going to be so disappointed if we come in there, man. <laughs> we're going to play like an hour hours worth of uh you know our version of country music and then have to go into pearl jam i don't think fans dance crowd is gonna want that yeah we had a lot we had a lot of similar things going on we tried we played there um a couple of times but you know like i said they're they're just uh you know there's a crowd that really they're there for a specific reason to dance and you know to dance to those certain 
um, country line dances and, and yeah. uh, there are certain steps and uh, they don't like it when you deviate yeah. from that. And so we had to move right along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's pretty funny. I'm kind of finding that out with the, uh, you know, with the, the oldies groups as well. Uh, so we, we do this oldies dance thing for a, a swing dance group mm-hmm. and they love to do all sorts of different type of dances. And luckily one guy in the jukebox Kings knows all these dances and knows what they want to do. And so they'll come up to me and say, you know, we need to do an East coast swing or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no idea. You got to talk to that guy. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that dance is, but, uh, but it works out. You know? Yeah. So it's, <clears throat> but yeah, the, the, the dancers are picky. Yeah, they really are. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. And I don't dance. So it, 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 it hurts to talk to them about it. <laughs> yeah. And there's definitely a level of uh, purists in country music too. So you've got to, yeah. got to watch out for them too. They don't like it when females sing male songs. FYI. Oh, really? <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and us rockers, I, I have an issue when a girl sings Axl Rose. So I, I'm, I'm, I understand. Yeah, so. that too. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, have you been um, in quarantine? Have you been uh, writing a lot or trying anything different? Uh, no, not. I haven't been writing a lot. A little bit. A little bit. I, uh, <laughs> I rewrote a song I wrote twenty years ago, so that, that that's something. Uh, I've been meaning to rewrite a verse in it for a long time. Um, but no, <clears throat> mainly just, uh, you know, at the beginning I was focused on just recording and dealing with that sort of stuff. And then uh, doing these shows and coming up with themes for my online shows, you know, make them interesting each time. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's about it. Mostly, uh, and then this month has all been filled with camping. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's I actually haven't played a show in almost two weeks. Okay. So I've been out camping and stuff. So uh, looking forward to tomorrow night, British Invasion show tomorrow night. Excellent. I'll make sure that I link that in the comments. Yeah. Um, so just to go a little deeper here, let's talk about feelings now. Um, feelings. What, yes. <laughs> wow. What do you I didn't you know I was going to cry on this show. You can cry. It's okay. I won't be mad at you for that. Um, <laughs> we said at the beginning, right? I think you know, there was a, this was a big shocking abrupt halt to years and years and years of work done. Um, and also living life at a certain pace that we'd become accustomed to, you know, and to just kind of, you know, stop so abruptly, it's really shocking to the system. But now that the, um, now that the dust has settled a little bit, what life lessons, what career lessons do you think you've picked up out of all of this Mm, there's a thinker question um the most important thing i learned during this whole thing was uh how important music actually is to a lot of people Mm. and i think i took that for granted most of my years playing music i just i always thought you know it's fun i show up i sing some songs people have a good time whatever but uh having so many people just uh, really attached to my shows and uh, some people have seen like every single, all 59 of my shows so far online. Um, just the attachment and the, the way they express their gratitude and give 
you know, care packages I received on my doorstep from people and stuff, just realizing that, uh, you know, sometimes music is actually really, really important to people and, and important for their daily life and important for their spiritual well-being. And uh, so learning that, learning that it's not just a party or, you know, something to, you know, make the make, make the time pass by. It's something that actually helps people get through the day. Mm-hmm. I've taken it a lot more seriously. You know? So I really focus on <clears throat> every performance of every song being the absolute best that it can be, whether it's, you know, my song or uh, somebody else's song. I mean, I just, I guess I really understood that uh, when you're even just performing covers the whole time is uh, it's important to give them justice and, and really make it the best you possibly can because people really believe in it and really hanging on to it. So, so that's been the big eye opener for me. Wow. And it really has been amazing. So yeah. Looking forward to when, when, when <laughs> this is all over, when we're, you know, all back to our full-time schedule. I hope I, I remember that. Yeah. So. I think we're, I think we're going to be changed people. And I think that that'll probably be reflected in a lot of the performance, but it's, it's great that you said that because it is so true. You know, when you are, when music is your um, livelihood, it, it does become repetitive. It becomes, um, you know, it can get a little, uh, you lose that connection with it. Um, but it, you know, it's so meaningful when you are in a position to recognize how, how important it is to people. And you don't, you don't get that reminder too often, you know, every once in a while you get to come across somebody who, you know, tells you personally how meaningful your music and performance is to them. And, um, you know, those are definitely good, good reminders for sure. Yep. Yeah. So have you learned any life lessons about homeschooling? How's that going? <laughs> I am worthless at it. Um, <laughs> thank God my kids are old enough to deal with it on their own because I would, I think I discussed earlier how crappy of a teacher I am. And uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, I think uh, like the third week of this whole thing, I said, all right, guys, you know, we've been, everybody's been sleeping until noon. We're going <laughs> to we're going to make something of ourselves during this time. We're, we're all going to get up at eight by nine o'clock. We're done eating breakfast and dressed somewhat. And we're going to just do four hours, you know, pick four things you're going to do. We're going to do them for one hour each. If you just want to sit down and have a discussion of the civil war or something, we can do that. It's something learning. If you want to read a book by yourself for an hour, that's fine. If you want to just whatever you do, four hours, we're going to learn something today. Mm-hmm. that lasted one day <laughs> and like, you know forget it i quit <laughs> that's pretty good though yeah so then uh and then it was like two weeks later they started up their online school and uh like i said i i i, I just started feeling really sorry for people like you who have younger children who you actually have to deal with my mm-hmm. kids are very excited not having me deal with them at all they just go to their corners and hide out until they're ready to be fed. So yeah, 13 and 15 is a lot different than would you say six and seven, six and seven. Yes. Yeah. So I I didn't have to experience that. So I really feel for all the parents out there who have younger children. Yeah. Because it was easy for me. I just said, all right, fine, go do your thing. I'll be over here. Yeah. It's a lot. It's it really is a lot. And I I've 
definitely feel for everyone too. Where our my kids don't officially start until <laughs> September first, but they're we we found a pretty sweet arrangement for us because our next door neighbor is a retired school teacher, and oh, nice. she kind of um, teamed up with us to help you know implement the thing. So we're extremely extremely lucky to you know have that situation but it's amazing and in regards to this too i think a lot about how much all of this is impacting the you know younger generation of musicians and singers um who were right on the brink of starting something up musically um or you know or they're just getting started in their musical journey you know we've we all had that the uh well i you and i are close in age so we back then we had music in schools for the most part are we i feel i feel like i look a lot older than you (laughs) (laughs) we are very close in age um but i just wonder like what um you know what do you tell somebody right now who is just about ready to start up a career or wanting to make a living at doing this, what would you tell somebody who asked? I would tell them, I would tell them that, uh, make sure you enjoy it for yourself because I mean, that's the most important thing about playing music. If you don't, if you don't sing to yourself and if you don't make yourself excited when you sing a song, Mm -hmm. you're not going to make anyone else excited. So right now all you have is yourself to sing to. So it's the best way to start. Yeah. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't try to do it for any sort of attention or put, you know, public uh, feedback, do it for yourself, and then the, the career will follow. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. I wonder if they're going to maybe have a little bit more of an advantage because they are growing up in an era of technology, and, and they probably know the social media platforms better than we do. So, <laughs> you yeah. know, who knows? It might just be a natural progression for them into this. But um yeah, it's it's incredible when you think about it. And I'm thinking about like the kids going to college, those who are music majors now. And, um, you know, how how is that all going to work out? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that part is tough. I mean, I guess it would be very challenging being, you know, I think of musician as, you know, solo guy, but the majority of musicians are groups are, you know, reliance on other players. I mean, the most... Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I started out playing clarinet. So, you know, everybody who's going to college on a music scholarship or vocal scholarship to perform in choirs and, and orchestras, that's that's really devastating. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the pop and rock market will survive this just fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, my family loves to go to see the, uh, <clears throat> the San Diego Symphony. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to be a big problem. Yes. You know. Yeah. Since uh, people aren't going to be able, able to perform that aspect in middle school, high school, college, or professionally for some time, yeah, that's a big downside. And that is not, like they're all already struggling enough, you know. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah. so yeah, I think the uh, the real the real musicians are the ones that are going to have a problem, you know. Those those people who can read sheet music. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. But man, it just seems like. Uh, you know, every day something's catching my eye of um, people who are really trying to be innovative with things. And so it might be a while, but, you know, I think I think there's some very clever people out there and dri- people who are driven enough to make things work one way or another. Um, I don't know if you caught this post on Facebook or whatever, but it's this um, 
it's a concert venue. And I think, I believe it was in the UK where they basically had created these little square platforms that look like, I don't know, they look like they're maybe six by six platforms or something. And so you could have maybe two or three people in each square and they have them spaced out all over this huge field. And that was their concert experience. So I wonder <laughs> if things like that are going to come up or, you know, we've got the drive-in, yeah, well, drive-in concerts. The dri- yeah, well, they started the drive-in concert at Del Mar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. that'll be interesting. I mean, I can't imagine that stuff taking off. It, it, it's got to cost more than it uh, you know creates. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, interesting stuff like that to, to keep it moving, at least until we're able to go back to the normal. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. So have you set up, you've obviously set up a home recording studio now, or are you going somewhere? Yeah, I actually built one years ago. And uh, so I just had to you know, clear all the dust off it and remind myself how it all works. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I actually have a pretty, pretty sweet quality uh, vocal booth here that everybody likes to admire. It's that big boy right there. Whoa, look at that. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, um, that was the biggest project I've ever done in my driveway. <laughs> it was an old microphone testing room, wow. and uh, so I had to chop it down to size and make it fit in here. But uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I have one of those so, tiny little U shape. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> oh, they work great too. This yeah. this one's cool because I can put the whole drum kit in there. Yeah. Yeah, so wow. I can get some really cool drum sounds by. Yeah, deadening the whole room. Mm-hmm. So with so. the full band, what's your process? So if you you write something, what? How does that process work? Your drummer lays mm-hmm. down something. The yeah, bass so, player lays down something. How do you layer all that? Uh, each song has kind of gone in a different route. So what I thought it would be would be like uh, me, then drums and bass, and then the you know the uh, the icing guys, uh, pedal steel and fiddle but what it kind of turned out to be is I just sent it out to everybody and whoever sends in an idea first would kind of make it happen. So the first song we did, I just sent out an acoustic and a vocal and my pedal steel player sent back this really amazing part that kind of shaped our whole idea for the song. I'm like, all right, cool. Now I know what direction this is going to go. And then my drummer threw down something bass record on top of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, then my <clears throat> Tom put on some mandolin. So we started moving along with uh, other stuff. Then I did one where the drummer, you know, went uh, right on top of my acoustic track and that kind of motivated Kevin to throw down a uh, electric guitar part that, you know, so, so yeah, it's just my whole deal with it has been really interesting for me because in every other project I've done, like it's all been my decision. Like I, I'm, you know, I decide what parts going to wear. And even if somebody else is playing, I'm like, nah, not right. Let's do it again. Let's try it like this. Try it. Again. I've always been the very hands-on producer of it. This has been cool to me because I've sent out the song. I'm like, whatever I get back, that's his idea. And I'm, we're cool with it. You know, that's how it's going to be. Hmm. And if it's completely opposite of what my idea was, like, all right, guess I'm changing my mind on how I thought this song was going to go. Hmm. And we're going to go this route. And it's been really fun. Yeah, it's been really cool that way. Just to not have a conversation about it first and see what somebody hears. Yeah. And some of the really interesting ones are, are songs that you know uh, <clears throat> that I'm recording of somebody else's songs. 
So I've actually heard these songs for years in a full band production, but I didn't tell my band, you know, I didn't show them, you know, the original recordings of it. I just recorded a vocal and acoustic guitar and sent it to them. So they sent me back something. It's interesting to see if they heard the same thing, like that that drummer heard 20 years ago when he recorded it or not. So uh, it's been really fun to, you know, really remake some of these songs that we're recording because they're a cover for me, but they're originals for the rest of the band. They've never heard them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's been a really fun, humbling process for me, I guess, to take me out of that role of dictating how it's going to be recorded and just saying, you know, whatever you guys come up with, it's a great idea and we're rolling with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so, love that. That's very yeah. cool. Very collaborative. Nice, nice. And kind are of, you doing it's all actually that? Uh, very anti-collaborative, but <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> but guess that's so. The part, but that's the fun part. It's about cooperative. It. It's cooperative. Exactly, cooperative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, are you doing all the engineering on your end? Uh, yeah, most of it, except my uh, well, Dustin. Like I said, he's actually great at this stuff. Yeah. And uh, so he'll lay down <clears throat> not only drums but a side percussion, uh, organ part, um, some strings, some other stuff. And uh, he'll send all that to me. So he he does a ton of it. He's much better at it than I am. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very nice.